0: This is, uh, you know, that negative thought you've been having, and uh, I just uh, I just can't let
1: you try and change yourself without a fight, so uh, go ahead and just turn this show off, okay, and um, uh, yeah, everything's still fine. This is Blindsight with your
0: host, Bill Lundgren, an AINC original podcast. Serious? We're not holding back truth. We're here to help you heal and become the best you possible. Here's the chair. Here's the pillow. Here's Bill. Hi there, listeners. Glad to have you in for another interesting, I hope, podcast. Uh, this is Blindsight, sponsored by the Audio Information Network of Colorado, and we're glad to have you listening in. I'm your host, Bill Lundgren, and I'm, I'm particularly pleased to have our guest today, nancy o'donnell who is the director of outreach for an organization called the ushers syndrome coalition now for those of you who don't know ushers syndrome is not a uh uh, a condition where people have uh, a compulsion to seat people in public places it's an important condition for us to be aware of as uh, uh people with blindness And so I will introduce Nancy, glad to have you on board.
1: Thank you so much, Bill, for that lovely introduction. I'm excited to be here and talk about whatever it is you want to learn about Usher syndrome.
0: Okay. Well, I think the first thing we want to make sure that everybody is up to speed in understanding what uh, Usher syndrome is and particularly, you know, how long it's been around, been diagnosed in, and I know there are different levels. So, it'd be helpful to kind of give, uh, you know, an introduction to the subject. So, sure. I'll turn it over to so, you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. So, Usher syndrome is the leading genetic cause of combined hearing and vision loss, sometimes referred to as deafblindness. Uh, it is inherited, obviously, if it's genetic, and it requires that one Usher gene is handed down to a child uh, from the mother and one from the father. So this is considered a recessive condition, and a diagnosis of Usher syndrome is quite frequently a surprise in the family because the gene has been quietly handed down through generations, there is quite often no one else in the family that has Usher. So the diagnosis is uh, can often take quite some time to figure out, which is surprising because we've known about Usher syndrome. Bill, you asked for a little bit of the history. Usher syndrome can be found in uh, the literature as far back as 1858 with ophthalmologists uh, back in uh, Germany But it wasn't until 1914 that it was named Usher syndrome Mm. after Dr. Charles Usher, the ophthalmologist who was studying uh, 69 individuals who had combined vision and hearing loss in their family. And of course, back then, the the field of genetics was not even um, anything beyond maybe a family tree. So it was, of course, ophthalmologists that were curious about how did we get all of these people who have the eye condition associated with Usher known as retinitis pigmentosa or RP, how did we get all of these patients with RP who also have varying degrees of hearing loss? Hmm. So this became um, a project for several key researchers who created family trees on paper. Who are the parents? Who's the mother? Who's the father? How many of the children have Usher syndrome? How many do not? And even today, there are families with multiple children with Usher syndrome. Uh, Back in the early 1900s, I mean, that's more than 100 years ago. And Usher syndrome is still kind of a hidden Diagnosis. Many in the medical profession are um, not aware of it. Uh, in the education profession, families and individuals who are living with it are often not given that label, even though they've been diagnosed with hearing loss and RP. So, and we're thrilled I'm, and to I'm be one
0: able- of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, as, as you know, Nancy, I uh, but I had hearing loss from birth. And I knew there, you know, there's something wrong with my eyes. And I went to a number of prominent, uh, eye doctors in, uh, on the East Coast. And one, one prescribed uh, beta carotene, which made me sick. Uh, uh, but nobody ever mentioned Usher syndrome or any connection with my hearing or RP until I went to an optometrist friend of, of uh, a friend of mine. And he immediately uh thought it was uh, RP and Usher syndrome and he sent me to uh, get an electrodes and enceph- cephalogram. Is that the correct pronunciation of it?
1: That it, is the correct pronunciation. Uh, retinog- I'm wondering did re- yeah, electronic. Yeah. Yes.
0: And mm-hmm. and what they did uh, they forgot to tell me, uh, this is in my younger years, they forgot to tell me not to drink the night before I went in for the test. And, uh, I almost up on their equipment because I had a roaring oh. hangover. So that anybody who who's asked to take the test, that's <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's my, I just wanted to throw in my history because I, I saw a lot of very distinguished, uh, ophthalmologists who, did not have a clue Mm -hmm.
1: yes bill your story um although unique to you is not unique to those in the usher community right and before genetics uh came about and uh researchers were able to identify the exact genes that cause usher syndrome diagnosis was quite hit or miss and even in the past uh years the recent history genetic tests Genetic testing has not been generally available to the public, either Mm, mm -hmm. they didn't have insurance coverage or um, a doctor might have said, oh, what does it matter? You're in your fill in the blank of age. You're Mm in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. What does it matter? You're just living your best life. Um, But now genetic testing can be done um, prenatally. Oh, really? Carriers. Mm hmm. Carriers can be identified, and uh, even for family planning purposes, those who are in communities where there is a higher incidence of the gene in the gene pool, such as the Ashkenazi Jewish community or the European Jewish community, has a higher incidence. um, They, uh, young people, can be tested to see Mm. if they are carriers of the same gene type. And then they can, you know, decide what what they want to do, uh, with their family planning strategy for each pregnancy of two carriers. There's a one in four chance that a child will be born with Usher syndrome. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, when, uh, a family is not aware of the genetic history or that they are carriers and a child is born. Thank heavens! Now there is um, newborn hearing screening that is done routinely across the United States. Oh, okay. So before a baby is sent home, they will have a, a screening to see if there is any hearing loss.
0: Interesting. Yeah. yeah because so, if so nobody hmm? knew my fa- nobody had a clue in my family. And in fact, my sister, younger sister, three years older than me, uh, she apparently, they weren't aware she was hearing impaired until I came along, and it was yeah. obvious both of us were hearing impaired, and they thought it was whooping cough. And then, in addition to that, be, you know, basically because there's no family history of hearing loss or RP that we were aware of.
1: Again, I mean, you're a classic family scenario, Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we couldn't have planned this story better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I know my mother felt, my mother had a tremendous amount of guilt all her life, like somehow yes. she caused our yes. condition. She had a lot uh, of...
1: Not unusual. Yeah. Yep, not unusual. And and very often today, you'll see parents who, um, who take up a cause because their children are being identified much earlier through the newborn hearing screenings. And so years ago, when that was instituted across the United States, parents would find out, oh, my baby is deaf or hard of hearing. Uh, There's a quicker move to get cochlear implants now or hearing aids, although some still do say, you know what, my child is deaf Um, they belong in and with the deaf community. We're going to go that route. And as a representative of the Usher Syndrome Coalition, I just want to say we are uh, a neutral country, if you will. We support um, families making whatever decision is right for them. Our goal is to collect the best information that we can and share it with parents and individuals living with Usher so that everyone can make decisions that match their personality, their values, their lifestyle. But anyway, back to this early uh, detection of hearing loss, Dr. Google has been excellent at diagnosing Usher syndrome. And what we've found in the past few years since search engines have been around is that uh, new parents bring their baby home, the baby has been identified as having hearing loss, and parents will go online and say, what could possibly cause hearing loss in my child? You mentioned before, Bill, that there are several different types of Usher syndrome, and indeed that is true. There are three main types of Usher, which are categorized according to the onset of hearing loss and the onset of the vision loss, as well as a vestibular issue. So a syndrome means that there are two or more characteristics, qualities, or symptoms that always occur together. So if someone is only, in quotes, deaf, that is not a syndrome. But if someone is deaf plus vision loss caused by the same etiology, then that would become a syndrome. So Mm -hmm. Usher syndrome is simply labeled. The types are type 1, type 2, and type 3. Type 1 has the most um, severe expression, if you will, because a child would be born profoundly deaf at birth or soon thereafter it would be detected. And unbeknownst to the family, the child would also have the gene that will cause vision loss associated with retinitis pigmentosa or RP, as, as we already mentioned. So the hallmarks of RP are, first of all, Difficulty seeing in dimly lit situations, which the public would know as night blindness. But I, I like to expand on that definition because it's not just at night. If a child is in a darkened room, if a school-age child is in school, and I know when I was in school during the summer, they would dim the lights because it felt cooler <laughs> without the fluorescent right. lights mm-hmm. on. Right. Um, sometimes in gym lockers, uh, it might be a little bit darker. So, if a child with profound hearing loss who had not yet been diagnosed with Usher syndrome appeared to be clumsy or accident prone or afraid of the dark, mm-hmm. that could be an indication that RP is starting to impact the child's vision.
0: Yeah, I thought. At the thought, same
1: time, I'll oh, go ahead.
0: I, I thought. That, you know, one thing about vision is you really don't have any way of comparing your vision to somebody else unless it's profoundly impaired. And I just assumed that every, that I had the same vision as everybody else. Yes. And yet, uh, in sports, when I couldn't see the baseball coming, I just thought it was because I was a klutz mm-hmm. in baseball, uh-huh. you know?
1: Yep. You, Bill. You are. Your story is incredibly on target for this whole <laughs> discussion. <laughs> I made all right, the so mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you showed all of the symptoms, and sadly, the medical community, the education community was unaware right. because Usher syndrome is a rare condition. It's difficult to give the numbers, but we estimate through through the researchers with whom we work, that between twenty and 50,000 Americans have Usher syndrome.
0: Oh, mm mm-hmm.
1: um, We do have a registry through the Usher Syndrome Coalition, and uh, we only have about 2,200 internationally on our registry so far. Internationally, there should be about 400,000
0: individuals mm-hmm. with Usher
1: syndrome based on estimates of prevalence. In Colorado, interestingly, the prevalence uh, should end up in numbers between 341 and 968 based on your population. And in our registry, we currently have 26 individuals. Right. So we know that this is underreported, underidentified, and quite honestly, when Adults such as yourself are diagnosed quite frequently. They were told it's so rare you'll never find anyone else with Usher syndrome. Mm -hmm. So you know, don't even don't even look. Um, There's no one else out there.
0: Bravo. Yeah, I was I was so enthused when I found out about the and this was early on and the formation of the coalition didn't know, oh, you know, I'm not the only one.
1: (laughs) Yes. And people tell us that. Uh, our annual conference is, is really a beacon of light for them. It's where lifelong friendships have been made. But we have other resources that I can describe in a minute. I just wanted to True. finish out the three types of Usher syndrome. So Usher 1 is the most severely impact, ed, impacted, and balance issues are also a part of the syndrome for type 1. So babies born with this profound hearing loss who haven't yet manifested vision issues would also have difficulty in their vestibular system, their balance system. So children with type 1 are maybe labeled floppy, or they're late to sit up, they're late to stand, they're late to walk, all because Mm. their vestibular mechanism isn't giving them the feedback that they need. Um, So again, Dr. Google has been quite helpful in diagnosing. So a a mother or father will go online and say, "Hmm, my child is profoundly deaf and they're having difficulty sitting, standing, or walking. Usher syndrome might come up as a possible Hmm. uh, reason. And now that genetic testing is available more widely, uh, they will go back to their pediatrician and say, you know, I'd really like to get genetic testing. It says it's recessive. Unfortunately, some pediatricians still say, they're there. Don't worry yourself. Your child is, you know, is fine. They'll be okay. They just have hearing loss. But yeah. parents are becoming much stronger advocates in, uh, in the 21st century. So mm. we have a whole new generation of babies getting genetic confirmation in just months of age, under one year. Good. Yes, so type two uh, of Usher syndrome is where a baby will be born hard of hearing, and that could be anywhere from a moderate to severe uh, hearing loss. Okay, so they will also hopefully be picked up by the hearing screening, the newborn hearing screening and sent for additional testing rather than having to wait until they're two, three, four, five, six years old and have someone say, wait a minute, I don't think your child is hearing me. Their retinitis pigmentosa manifests with similar symptoms, but in the second decade of life. In Usher 1, the onset is in the first decade of life.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: Okay. And with Usher 2, there are no inherent um, balance issues. Usher three is where a baby is born functionally sighted and hearing. So they may not be picked up with the uh, hearing screening, although we do know of uh, uh, several cases where they have been. But kids with usher three kind of skate through because, as you mentioned a few minutes before, Bill, this is how they see. And then they just adapt as their vision and hearing progressively get worse, slowly, unpredictably. And they are very clever to adapt, just as kids with Usher 1 and 2 are. So Usher 3, the hallmark is progressive vision and hearing loss. And in about 50% of the Usher 3 community, they also will have balance issues. Mm -hmm. Right? So. There is, of course, not a neat and clean category, which is type, we call it atypical. And that is where now with genetic testing, for example, um, say a person in their early 20s is all of a sudden realizing that they are losing their vision, they're having difficulty seeing at night, they're losing peripheral vision, they go... For testing they are diagnosed with rp they say "Hmm, this isn't in my family i'd like to have a genetic test done and lo and behold they have the gene for usher type 2 but hearing Mm -hmm. loss is not expressing so that's called atypical or non-syndromic usher syndrome Hmm. and genetic testing is totally changing the profile of the community because as i mentioned before Babies are being diagnosed genetically at months or early years of age. Never again, never before has that happened. Kids mm. who are diagnosed with Usher 1 at birth or soon thereafter, many parents are choosing to get cochlear implants knowing that their child will also be losing their vision,
0: oh. mm-hmm.
1: right? So... In fact, according to the National Center on Deaf Blindness, which does an annual census of children who are deafblind in the United States, 58% of children with Usher syndrome get cochlear implants. And that compares to about 12% of kids who do not have Usher syndrome, they get cochlear implants. So 58, 57% kids with Usher are cochlear implanted. Versus about 12% of those who don't have Usher. Now, this is a, if you will, a skewed community because obviously children with profound hearing loss are going to be identified first and will be put into the census much more quickly than those whose hearing loss is later on in life, as with Usher 3, or those who are just living their lives with Usher 2 and hearing aids, right? And the RP hasn't manifested yet.
0: So, for me, I had uh, severe hearing loss as a baby, but I wasn't diagnosed with the RP until I was 30. Yes. And the uh, progression of the RP uh, to the point where I had to uh, start using a white cane was when I was 50. Uh Uh-huh. And then it was very rapid thereafter that what vision I had left was, uh, <clears throat> you know, well, I ended up here in Denver to go to the training center to learn how to be a blind person at uh, uh, just a little before 60. So,
1: uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, but it sounds like from what you're saying, I would be type 1 because I had the hearing lo- noticeable hearing loss uh, as a baby before ten.
1: Well, you had moderate to severe, you said you had severe hearing loss. Is severe, that yeah. Mm-hmm. severe, yeah. Correct? hmm Severe. So I yeah, but I would guess
0: in, that you had have- yeah, cochlear implants weren't available when I was when I was that age. So and my mother insisted that she didn't want us my the two of us to be in a school for the deaf. She wanted us to be in the greater community. Which was Mm -hmm. a pain in the butt, but you know, we managed to do it.
1: Yes, yes. So, with hearing aids, were you able to function okay in school? And I wasn't able
0: to get hearing aids until I was a sophomore in college. (laughs) Wow. But I had to, I had a good public school system where people you know teachers uh, made sure i i go to the front of the class which of course for a kid to have to have those extra things make you know you have all the other kids looking at you and wondering but yes. but yeah that's how i survived and yes. i learned lip reading real early it's
1: so mm-hmm. yeah wow and
0: that's wow. how i survived you've been listening to part one of Blindsight with Bill Lundgren and Nancy O'Donnell. Bill and Nancy are talking about Usher syndrome, and we're so thankful you've enjoyed part one with us. Please come back next week as we explore part two of this amazing topic in Usher syndrome.
1: Have a great week.